Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I have this... Anybody ever had a bad dream? Don't bad dreams stink? I mean, you, you wake up and you're, you're scared and, you know, and um, I, I have this one dream from whenever I was a, I was a kid and, and I'll do my best to explain it. You know, trying to explain a dream is like trying to explain algebra to, uh, to my wife. Uh, she doesn't like letters in, in, in math problems. And so, uh, but when the house that I grew up in had been added onto, and the most important thing that I can try to describe is that you could go in a complete circle inside the house. You went from the living room into a little hallway into my brother's room. My brother's room had two doors. You went in one of his doors, and then you went out of his doors, and you were in another hallway near my parents' bedroom and bathroom, and then you went down to the kitchen, and then you were back in the dining room. Okay, so there, there, you can run in a circle, and for, for kids growing up, man, that's great. You know, no running in the house, right? And, and half of it was carpet through the, through the living room, and the bedrooms was carpet, and then there was linoleum down the, uh, down the hallway into the kitchen and into the dining room, and it changed back to carpet. So, you know, and, and that's really important because I have this dream, and, and right when the dream starts, or as, as good as I can remember it, I'm running in this circle and it's in the middle of the night and something is chasing me. Now this something that's chasing me has got big, nasty, huge claws because I can hear them tearing the carpet. And so I'm just, I'm running and I'm running and, and you kind of hit a, a corner right there where the linoleum is. So I always know where the, whatever this thing is that's chasing me, I know where it is because I can either hear it on the carpet or the linoleum. Well, you know, with, with like most animals and stuff, it doesn't get very good traction on the linoleum. So I have to be very careful. And I remember being very cognizant of this. Now I'm probably in the fourth grade when I have this dream. And so I, I, I know though, because of experience of running around this circle with my brother, is you can't get too far ahead or they'll turn around and double back on you and catch you, right? So I have to kind of slow up Make sure I hear that whatever it is hit the linoleum and then I can speed up and then I have to kind of slow up a little bit and let it hit the carpet so I know where it's going. This goes on forever. I don't want to stop because I don't want to stop in my brother's room because my brother's asleep. I don't want to stop near my parents' room because I don't want this monster, you know, hearing my parents and getting them. So I'm saving everybody's life. It's a dream because I hadn't got asthma yet. And I'm just, and this goes on and on and on and on and on. I mean, it's just like the, the, the dream that never ends. Well, finally, I, I, I think I can't do this forever. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find the safe place. And so when you come around right before my brothers and my room sat right next to each other. So instead of going through his room to continue the circle, I just ducked into my room, which is a dead end, right? But I had a plan. I was going to jump in my bed and throw the covers over my head because that protects you. You are absolutely protected if you are underneath the covers. So anyway, I got just far enough ahead that I knew it couldn't double back on me. And I'd go to my room and I'd jump in my bed and I'd throw the covers over my head. And I'm sitting there and I'm... 
And I hear that thing run by, and I'm like, yes! And I hear it stop. No! And I can hear it. I'm like, oh no! It's got a nose! And it turns around, and it comes, and it walks in my bedroom. And I am like peeing now, right? Just like, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! But thankfully, I've got the covers. And it comes up to the bed, and it goes under my twin bed, and I feel it go under. I'm like, oh crap, oh crap. So when it gets on the other side of the bed, I know it's going to find me, so I think, now's the chance. It's on the other side of the bed. I can have a head start, so I throw the covers back, and I jump out of bed, and I run, and I hit the front door, and I'm going to go out that front door. Well, I hit the front door, and does anybody else's mom lock every door and window in the entire house? Oh my gosh. It's gonna, and, and that's one of my fondest memories is after everybody went to bed, my mom, my dad would leave the back door wide open, right? <laughs> he doesn't care. But mom, boy, she's gonna check everything. I mean, the door's locked, the deadbolt's locked, there's like a chair pushed in front of the door. There's a booby trap set up right there. So I'm trying to get the front door open, and I get it open, and now I can hear this monster coming. Like that, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I try to hit the screen door. The screen door's locked. The screen door has a deadbolt on it. So I'm getting it, and I hit the screen door, and I take two steps out, and the thing grabs me. Now you have to know what actually happened. At the point where that monster went underneath my bed, I actually woke up. I just didn't know it. And I had the covers like this. So when I threw the covers back and jumped out of bed in my Spider-Man underoos, I was really awake. And I was really at the front door trying to get it open. And that thing that I heard coming was my mama. And I made it about one step out onto the porch when she grabbed me. She said it was like grabbing a rabid skunk. Just like, Whoa! I turned around and I was fighting. Of course, you know, I was crazy, crazy. But how that dream has stayed with me all of these years. But I have a new nightmare. I have a new nightmare. It is a recurring one. It's going to sound so silly to every single one of y'all, but I'm serious. I wake up in the mornings, just, oh my gosh, I had the most terrible dream. And the dream is this. I wake up and I get here and I don't have a sermon prepared. Serious, and I know that sounds silly to y'all, but it's, I literally have this dream all the time that I'm supposed to speak and they're like, okay, it's your turn. And I'm like, where's, I didn't prepare a sermon. And, and I start frantically just like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Well, I had one of those dreams yesterday, except I wasn't asleep. All week long, I depend upon God to give me a sermon. And he doesn't like mail it to me. It, I, I don't get an email with it or anything like that. But I just know all the time when God says, hey, did you see that? That's what I want you to preach about right there. I was sitting there yesterday, 
after me and Todd fed the cows and we'd done all the chores and everything and it was in the afternoon and I'm, I'm reading about the Israel trip because me and Ty and Rick and Sandy and Gary and Sherry, we're all leaving for Israel tomorrow and we'll be gone for 10 days. We are going to live, we're going to try to live broadcast a little short deal at the end of, of every day. It will be at noon here in Colorado or one o'clock if you're watching in Texas or you can do the math for the rest of the parts of the uh, country. But we're gonna, just a little five or ten minute deal about what we saw that day and what, you know, who got bucked off the camel and, you know, all of that good stuff. So uh, that's it. But I'm sitting there yesterday and I'm reading about Israel, but I just I can't really focus on it. And Chris, Christy says... Well, what's the matter? And I said, I don't have a sermon. She said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. I've read my Bible every day. I, I, I've, you know, I haven't done, I, I've prepared as much as I can, but I don't have a sermon. And I don't even have a good idea about what I'm going to preach about. And so, I mean, my Bible's sitting there, I'm reading about Israel, you know, I start watching a, a sermon on TV, anything that I can say, God, what am I supposed to preach about? And so I'm praying all day long and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up there tomorrow and have to say, well, we're going to do something different. We're just going to pray and then we're going to go home because I don't know what I'm going to say. And so I was sitting there and I was like... What do you pray or what do you preach about when there is no sermon? And I felt God say, indeed, what do you preach about when you don't have a sermon? Today, we're going to talk about what happens when you don't hear from God. Now, what Ty said earlier is absolutely right. Most of the time when we pray about something, it may not be what we want to hear. God will give you an answer. He'll talk through somebody, blah, blah, blah. But there will be times in your life that you just don't hear from Him. You pray, you get nothing. You read your Bible and it's just words. You get absolutely nothing. What do you do? How do you handle it when God doesn't? speak. What do we do? Do we just, you know, I, I, do we try to force things? I mean, my gosh. And, and maybe you're at that point right now. You've been praying about something, wanting God to give you the answer to it or show you which way to go. But he's, he's remaining silent on the deal. There was a story about Elijah that back in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, had not come yet. So God didn't really talk to individuals, I mean, just the masses like He does today, but He spoke through people called prophets. And there was a time, and the Bible just kind of glosses over it, and I think it's more the English translation and everything that does it, but it says... And for a time, nobody heard from God. Well, that for a time was actually three and a half years. God didn't say anything. He didn't say anything to Elijah. He didn't say anything to the kings. He didn't, you know, he, nothing. He just was quiet. What do we do during those times? What ways can we handle it? When we're not hearing from God, when reading our Bible doesn't do anything, when, when the prayers don't seem like they're being answered, when, when really we don't have that warm, fuzzy feeling anymore like whenever we first came to know God, what do we do when God 
is silence. What to do when God says nothing? The first thing that I think we need to do, and this was the first thing that came to mind whenever I was sitting there going, okay, God didn't give me a sermon, so, so what do I need to do? The first thing you need to do whenever God, when, when you can't hear Him, when you don't know the direction you're supposed to take, when you just, for the life of you, it doesn't matter what you read or how much you pray, you're just not getting an answer. The first thing that you need to do is this. Do what He's already told you to do. Do what He's already told you to do. Now, now think about that a little bit, because sometimes, you know... If you've got kids, you, you've been through this before, you know, they say, Dad, can we go do this or this or this? No. Why? Because you need to do what I already told you to do before you do anything else, right? See, we constantly, we hear from God and He says, hey, I want you to do this. Maybe He wants you to grow closer in, in, in reading your Bible. Or, or maybe He wants you to grow closer by putting the cell phone down at the dinner table and spend more quality time with your kids. Maybe instead of everybody eating in their rooms, maybe you start eating at the supper table. Whatever it is that, that God has led you to do, and I think that most of you here have, have felt this leading to, to make some changes for the better in your life, sometimes God will be silent because He's given you time to work on what He's already told you to do. But see, sometimes we go, oh man, that's great, God. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that. We do it for two days and then we forget all about it. People wonder, Where, why am I not growing? Why do I seem stuck? Well, if you seem stuck, it's probably because you haven't done what God has already told you to do. Everybody thinks that their Christian lives are going to somehow, over the passage of time, that they're going to grow. No, it, the passage of time does nothing except change the date on the calendar. Just because a year from now, if you don't do anything to grow in God and learn how to love God and learn how to love others and, and all of this stuff, if there's no conscious effort on your part, you're not going to grow. You're just going to be a year older. That's it. The passage of time does nothing. If you feel like you're stuck, if you have a hard time hearing from God, your growth is going to come from doing what He's already told you to do, not some great big grand plan. Being a pastor of an international ministry such as Save the Cowboy, I get things all the time from people and they have these grandiose plans of, you know, they're going to be a televangelist, they're going to be on TV and be on the radio and, and, and all of this and all that. And they say, well, how can I make all that happen? And I say, well, what has God already told you? To, what are you not doing that God's already told you to do? Well, I guess I need to get a Bible, don't you think? Well, yeah, that might help. That, that might help. But if you're having a hard time hearing from God, maybe He's waiting on you to do what He has already asked you to do. Your growth is not going to come from new revelations, but from what He's already told you. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 25, there's a parable of the talents. Now, talent's a piece of, of, of uh, uh, money, and, and it's a money illustration where this guy gives 10 
pieces of gold to one person, five pieces of gold to another, and one piece of gold to another. I always use it in horse-breaking terms. A ranch owner gives one cowboy ten horses to break, he gives another cowboy five horses to break, and he gives another cowboy one horse to break. And he goes on a uh, trip to Israel or somewhere, I don't know. And then he comes back, and the guy with the ten horses, he broke all ten, sold those, or traded them for 15 horses that were unbroken, he was starting to break those. So he turned the 10 horses into 15 horses, and the rancher says, good job, man, well done. The guy with five horses, he did the same thing. He broke five of them, traded them for seven unbroke horses, and the rancher says, man, you started off with five, now, now I have seven, you did good job. And he goes to the guy with the one horse, and he goes, man, I just locked it in a stall because I, you know, I didn't want anything to happen to your horse. And he said, at least you could have broke my horse so that I could ride it during branding season, but you didn't do anything. You're fired. Get out of here. What do you do with your talents? And I think that that's funny that it's called a talent, and it's actually a piece of money, but in English, what are you doing with what God has already given you? At the end of that, Jesus is telling this parable. He says in, in verse 29, he says, "...to those who use well what they are given..." even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Do what God has already asked you to do. You, you may not have any gift except one that you're a good listener. Use that. Don't wait on more to be given to you. Use what you already have. And when you start using what you already have, when you start doing what God already asked you to do, that's where growth is going to come from. That's when He's going to start speaking up. When you use what He's already given you, when you do, you start doing what He's already asked you to do. The second thing that we do when we're having a hard time hearing from God is to don't give up, but seek Him out. Go looking for Him. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that I think that God leads us a lot of times. He says, hey man, I want you to ride right here with me. I want you to ride right here with me. I want you to ride right here with me. And sometimes He gives us directions. He says, man, I want you to go over here. But other times what He does is He doesn't say a word. He just walks off and He stands over here. And then you look up and you go, well, where's God? He wants you to come find Him. He's drawing you to where He wants you to be. So if you're having a hard time hearing from God, don't give up. Go look for Him. Continue to read. Continue to love. Continue to do the things that He's already told you to do. But the Bible says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. But that doesn't mean that you ask one time and He's going to give it. It doesn't mean that the first rock you uncover, the first bend you come around, that God's going to be waiting right there for you. And it doesn't mean that the first gate you try is going to open magically for you. This may take a period of time. Don't just sit there, go look for Him and say, you know what, God, I'm not hearing from you right now, so I'm going to go and I'm going to seek you out. I'm not going to give up until I find you. That God is going to use those situations to take you places that you would never find on your own. Many of you are, are in that spiritual vacuum right now. You, you, you know that God has called you. you. You know that you're supposed to be doing something. You, you know you're supposed to be feeling a certain way, but man, it just kind of, it feels pretty vanilla right now. 
Go and seek Him out. Do what He's already told you to do. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That means His way of doing things. And all these things will be given unto you. Seek Him out. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything that we do, we need to seek God in it first. And if you can't find Him, you keep looking. You keep uncovering Scripture. You keep Talk to me. Talk to Ty. Talk to somebody else that you know that, that loves the Lord, that's not legalistic. And, you know, a lot of people, when you ask for biblical advice, they're going to spout off rules that you've got to follow. No, forget that. Find somebody that can show you how to see God in everyday life. Seek Him out. Don't give up. Talk to Him. Say, God, I don't have to have an answer from you every single minute of every single day for me to follow you. I'm, I'm going to seek you out. I'm going to keep looking and I'm never going to give up. The third thing that we do whenever we can't hear from God is we seek Him out by investing in others. That's, my, that's, that's kind of, and I have to put things in terms that, that I can understand. I watched a show last night called The Equalizer with Denzel Washington. It's a, kind of a great shoot 'em up movie and stuff like that. But this guy invests in people that he's going to gain nothing through. The story centers around this, this girl, and I mean, she's probably 15 or 16, that, that the Russian mob has a hold of, and she's kind of a prostitute for them, slave type thing. And he goes and he like kills everybody that's hurting her. You know what I mean? And he stands nothing to gain by it, but he invests in him. And he invests in another guy that wants to become a security guard. And so he teaches him how to lose some weight and just teaches him to believe in himself. And, and this guy just does a great job of loving others, but not just giving them a smile. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That's a great thing. But he invests in others. If you're having a hard time hearing from God, that is a great opportunity for you to not just love somebody, but invest in somebody. I think this world would be turned on its head for a good reason if every single person in here, you want to know the one thing that will change your life more than anything else? is if you invested in your spouse. If you invested in your spouse, your life will change. Or maybe you're not married. If you invested in a friend, or better yet, what would happen if both parents invested in their children? Instead of allowing the school system to raise their kids or maybe somebody else is going to teach them about God, if you learn to invest in people, it will change your entire life. Why? Because... Uh, Jesus says in John 13, 34, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. But love doesn't mean just have some like emotional feeling. Oh yeah, I love them. I'd be sad if they died. That's not loving somebody. In order to truly love somebody, you must invest in them. And to know if you are investing in them can what you're doing be taken advantage of? Because if we only love up to a point, if we only invest it up into a point that, that we're not going to lose anything, you're not loving. You're just being nice. You've got to learn to invest in other people. 
But the trick is, the way God works is that the more we invest in others, the more He invests in us. And the last thing, what do we do when we're not hearing from God? What do we do? How do we handle situations that, man, we just don't know which direction to go. We don't know what we should do. We don't know what we should say. First thing, do what He's already told you to do. If you're sitting here today, you probably have like this gut feeling that you should be doing something like making a change. Maybe you know there's an addiction that you have or, or whatever the case may be. And I'm not talking about checking off rules. I'm talking about making your life better, hearing from God, knowing that you should make a change. Do what He's already told you to do. The second thing, seek Him out. Don't give up. The third thing, Seek Him. If you want to know how to seek Him out, invest in others. He will show up in ways that you never dreamed possible if you will learn to invest in other people instead of just yourself. Because our world, that's it. What can we do to make us happy? How can we be happier? What can we get? Man, forget about yourself. Invest in somebody else. And the last thing is this. Chill out. Chill out. You know, our society is go. Go, 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 do, 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 do. And we walk around, and, and, and I guarantee you nearly every single one of us, when people say, well, how's it going? Oh, we're busy. I'm busy. Busy. I hate that. I hate that. I'm trying so hard not to be busy anymore because if you're always busy, you can't invest in others. If you're always busy, you don't have time to go looking for God. And if you're always busy, you're probably doing that instead of what God already told you to do. If you're not hearing from God, maybe He's using this as a deal to say, hey, just chill. Just chill out. I don't have anything for you to do right now. When I have something to do, I'll let you know. So why don't you just sit back and you just relax. Everybody waits for the weekend, and, and then we fill our weekends up with so much stuff that we dread going back to work, and we need vacations from our vacations, and, and just simply, and, and I know this is a four-letter word. I'm sorry, parents, that I said this in church, but sometimes you just got to wait. And I know that that is a four-letter word that is really, really, really hard for most of us to do. Just wait. Why? Because one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And it says this, But those who wait on the Lord, but those who wait on the Lord, right here, they shall renew their strength. In other words, if you've been feeling beat down, if you wait on God, He's going to strengthen you. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. He's going to take you higher. He's going to take you places that you never dreamed. You can depend upon yourself and walk around this earth all you want, or you can wait on God and He's going to lift you up like wings like e on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Most of us live following the Joneses and trying to do what all of this crazy stuff that this world says to do, that, that your, your worth is measured on, on uh, what kind of car you drive, how big a house you have, what kind of horses you ride, all of this stuff, man, that means absolutely nothing. 
That will make you weary. If you are weary, if you wait on God, it says they shall run and not be weary. How would it feel to be able to go through life without getting tired? Those who wait on the Lord, that's what happens. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, we got too many people that are just passing out. They're trying to follow God and trying to follow the world. They spend most of their lives trying to make money so that they can pay for things that they think is going to make them happy. When really the only thing that can ever bring you happiness and fulfillment came at a great price, but you didn't have to pay it. God's own son did. It's called grace. Getting something for free that we didn't deserve. Are you in a spiritual vacuum? Is it, is, are you having a hard time hearing from God right now? You hadn't even told anybody about it. You act like everything's just going just perfectly along, but you know what? You don't quite feel the same way as you once did about God. You're wondering why you were even felt like that for a while because, boy, you were fired up and you wanted to get involved and, and, and you wanted to get to know God, but now it's just kind of... What do you do then? Do what He's already told you to do. Seek Him out. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Invest in other people. When you take the focus off of yourself, you would be amazed at what it does for our soul. We start getting what we were always looking for. And the fourth thing, just wait. Wait on God. When He wants you to do something, He's going to let you know. Let's go to Him in prayer. God, I thank You so much for Your message today. God, I know that this message today, when there is no sermon, might have been the most powerful message for a cowboy and that cowgirl that you've been talking to today. God, I just know that you're going to use this to strengthen. You're going to mount people up on wings like eagles where they will run and not be weary, where they will walk and not faint. God, we thank you so much because we know that your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us, but that never said that you won't be quiet for a time. God, we know that it's in these quiet times is when we truly, truly, truly grow. And God, that's what I want for all these people that have heard you today is their growth as they grow and get to know you so much better. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.